Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller. I hunt for the latest and greatest authors and experts in self-help and ask them the in-depth questions I'm curious about for my own growth. And I bring these conversation series to you so we can learn and grow together. In this episode, we're talking about your future self. Who are you becoming? Who do you want to become? And the question is, can you conceptualize and connect with that person right now? And from this connection, drastically accelerate your personal growth and success. And I'd say you're just your ultimate destination. So I'm with Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who you hear me refer to so often. His first book is one of my favorites. Willpower Doesn't Work. It's at the top of my book referral list. His second book, Personality Isn't Permanent, is up there as well. His book with Dan Sullivan, as of recently, The Gap and the Gain, is a runaway bestseller. His books have sold hundreds of thousands of copies, and his blogs have been read by hundreds of millions. Ben is also the intro story in my forthcoming book, which you'll be seeing sometime in 2023. But this is my third time having been on the show, and the occasion is his brand new book, Be Your Future Self Now, The Science of Intentional transformation. When I talked to him uh, about a year ago, he shared his research and piqued my interest with the end of history illusion concept, which we actually started this episode talking about. I wanted to talk more, and I think you're going to want to hear about it. As we talked in this episode, what intrigued me as much or more than just trying to become your future self now was Ben's concept of how powerful it is for our progress and ultimate success if we will just connect with our future self. And it's something we do pretty well as kids. You'll hear us talk about that. But after entering into adulthood, we basically lose any perspective on who we are then expecting to become. And that harms us. We so often lose our way. Well, Ben is an organizational psychologist and he's devoted significant research to the issue of becoming your future self. It's actually called future self science. Ben's new book, again, Be Your Future Self Now, can be found anywhere. You can connect with him at BenjaminHardy.com. Hey, if you find value from this self-helpful podcast, this episode, leave a rating and review. Tell people what you thought about it. Tell me what you thought about it. Best thing you can do, talk about what you hear on this episode with someone else. Discuss it further. You can always find me, my website, or social media at KevinMiller.co. Next up, Dr. Benjamin Hardy and I talk about this issue of connecting with your future self so you can become your future self now. Well, Ben, as we were talking a minute ago, this is the third time uh, on the show with me, which I think has only happened with a handful of people like Dave Ramsey and I think Michael Hyatt, maybe Dan Pink. And I talk about your books, as my listeners know, so often willpower doesn't work and personality isn't uh, permanent. And of course, now, and I think I've mentioned this, that you're the lead story in my upcoming uh, book. So definitely an honor to have you back on, man. I'm a fan of your work. It just resonates with me. It's I, I, I I am a fan because it, what you write matters to my life. So thanks. Hey, I love, I always love coming and talking to you. Uh, we need to do it. We need to do it more. Last time we talked though, you were telling me about this book. I think you were right at the beginning 
of it. You said, yeah, I think you were you know, in the process maybe, but, but not too far along. You told me about it. And you said something that if I missed it in the book, I, I missed it, but it's what stuck with me. And you said, when we think about ourselves in the past, as opposed to now, we think, oh my gosh, yeah, the person that I was two years ago, three years ago, five years, oh my gosh, I've changed so much. I'm such a different person. Can't believe the Yahoo I was back then. But we think about ourselves now as now we are us and we don't look forward. Because I've told this story, Ben. I've told it to my kids. I've told it to other people. I said, Ben Hardy, he said this thing. We don't look forward and go, oh my gosh, in five years, I'm going to look at who I am now and, and be astonished. That, what did you call that? How do you define that? Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you what it's called in psychology, and I'll tell you where it's at in the book. <laughs> so um, it's that concept is called the end of history illusion in psychology. So it's the idea that if you look back one year, two years, five years, you can recognize and see that you're not the same person you were. You know, and the further you go back, the more you realize if you take the time to really ponder it, like genuinely think about where you were 10 years ago. Think about what you were interested in. Think about what your habits were. Think about what your worldview was. We all have a working mental model about who we are and how we see the world. It's that whole Stephen R. Covey quote, you don't see the world as it is, but as you are. Yeah. You can never actually go back to how you used to see the world, but you don't realize how iteratively it's changed over the last 10 years and that you just don't even operate as the same person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole idea of the end of history illusion is that if I ask you about who, who you were 10 years ago and you actually genuinely think about it, you realize I'm not the same person at all. But if we asked you the same question about your future self, then this is where the, the end of history illusion is kind of clarified because most people think that their future self is pretty much going to be the same as who they are today, which means that they think that who they are right now is kind of the finished product. That's mind blowing because it's so, it it, is. It, it, to me, it's almost it's a little overwhelming and it's almost a little scary because I so want to feel comfortable that I have gained a certain amount of maturity and wisdom and insight. And I guess I have in relation to that past person, but to know that, and I don't want to look, I don't want to talk negatively and go, sure. Oh my, you know, gosh, I'm going to five years from now, I'm going to think that I was so blind, you know, as to where I am now, but I will have evolved. And of course it seems hopeful. I want to have evolved, but still to look at myself and, and I'm going to look back as that future self and go, man, I, there's a lot I didn't realize at this point right here today, talking to you, it's a little, it's a little daunting. To me, it's not, to no? me, it's very exciting. Okay. To be honest with you yesterday, I feel like I wish I could replay yesterday in some degrees because I, when you're, when you're striving towards a future self, when you're committing to bigger goals, obviously you're going to quickly realize how ignorant you are because yeah. you're, you're, you're stepping out of your comfort zone. You're trying things you've never done before. You're making mistakes you've never made. And so you're learning through massively fast feedback loops, which is really a big part of how you iterate your perspective. It's a big part of deliberate practice and flow. And so, I mean, I feel like even the person I was yesterday is so much more ignorant than who I am today. Um, but vice versa, I, here's, here's kind of how Daniel Gilbert talks about it. Daniel Gilbert gave a TED Talk called The Psychology of Your Future Self. I, I recommend it to everyone. It was a main stage TED Talk in 2014. He's been one of the leading pioneer researchers on this topic. But hit one of his core quotes, which he, he spent a lot of time studying the end of history illusion, and a lot of his research kind of exposed the idea. But he said that, um, human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they're finished 
the person you are right now is as transient and as fleeting as the present moment. The only uh, constant, obviously, in life is change. And so, this I think that the idea is very healthy um, for psych- for what would be called psychological flexibility and mm-hmm. also what would be called a growth mindset. Like, So let me give an example. If I know that right now I'm very ignorant, um, actually, um, Brene Brown has a great statement for this. Brene Brown, in her new book, like The Atlas of the Heart, one of the things she said that I thought was beautiful is she said, you're either tr- you, you have one of these two orientations. You're, you're either trying to be right or you're trying to get it right. If you're trying to be right, then you're actually, you actually are trying to prove your present knowledge. You're trying to confirm that who you are now and what you know is enough and that you're right. Whereas if you're trying to get it right, you actually know that right now you aren't right. But you're always trying to learn. You know that tomorrow you could be better. You could know more. And so if you know that your future self in one year, in one week in one month, in 10 years is going to have way different perspectives, way more knowledge. They're going to have different, even probably different values, different goals, different priorities. They're going to see things very different because they know far different than you. Um, Then you don't need to try to be right. You don't need to try to prove. You can certainly still have your convictions, 100%. I still have convictions. Uh, My former self had convictions as well. Um, But you 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 also don't need to be so rigid. You can be very open to learning. You can be open to the fact that you're very much in that middle transient ground. And so you can be open to change. And so it gives me my, it, it allows me to be a lot more flexible and empathetic towards my current self. I don't need to have it all figured out. I can, that's basically what a growth mindset is, is you don't need to try to prove yourself. Instead, you're actually just trying to learn. You're open to figuring out things better. So to me, it actually just opens up a growth mindset. It's interesting. I saw a quote yesterday somewhere, Bertrand Russell, and he said, I would never die from my beliefs because I might be wrong. And I thought, you know, even in this, it strikes me to have the perspective you're talking about requires one, some humility that I haven't got it. So I've got to admit that I don't have it figured out right now. I don't have, I haven't arrived. I don't have anything figured out. Just like my, if I look five years back and that person, I look at him, gosh, man, he, he didn't know yet the propensity I'm going to own for myself. And I'm going to say that I see out there in the culture is to think somewhat negatively and kind of dog that person. Oh my gosh, five years ago. Yeah. I was just a fruit loop. I can't believe I was, I was that blind to whatever. I've used that word a couple of times. Cause that's how I feel. I often feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm daily surprised as I pursue growth and wisdom at what I find myself blind to. And gosh, I cannot believe that. And, and having to find some peace of going, I'm going to be, I hope an 85 year old guy still writing a book, maybe still talking to people. And I'm going to realize something that I was blind to even at that point. And so being humble, but also finding that I need to make some compassion as well and not just dog that person that I was or real or sit here and realize, man, I'm, I am blind in regards to the growth that I hope to have play with that. I think, yeah, I think that there's no value in having any negative feelings towards your former self. Um, your former self was operating under different perspectives than you. You now know different than your former self. Um, yeah. So you're, there's actually how I look at it. And I, I kind of learned this obviously through psychology and also through conversations with Dan Sullivan. Um, so, well, so I'll give the psychology first and then I'll give the Dan Sullivan little crystallization because he's really good at this. So in psychology, 
people often look at time as sequential. They look at it as like like this line of time where like the Linear, past is yeah. behind. Yeah, they look at it as like the past is behind you. You could never go back. Uh, the present is now and the future is up ahead and, and you'll never actually be in the future. But like, you know, it's this timeline. Whereas in psychology, time is not looked at linearly. It's looked at non-linearly. And it's also not looked at sequentially. It's looked at holistically. And so in psychology, the idea is, is that who I am right now is a combination of the past, present, and future that I'm carrying with me. You know, my view of the past, my who I, you know, and my view of the future are very much impacting everything about my present. And so to be happy, the kind of key is to have a very positive past and a very exciting, compelling, and purposeful future. Those two things combined equal a great present. Um, and the past is certainly something that can continuously be framed, reframed, learned from. And so I, I, I have continuously, uh, you know, huge respect and empathy and et cetera for my former self. I also know that I'm not my former self. Uh, I'm not the same person. Um, but I, I have nothing but love and respect. And if, if you, if you still have harbor any negative feelings towards your former self, like that's going to negatively impact who you are in the present. Um, and so you, I just think it's, it's great to have great feelings towards your former self, but it's also great to realize your future self has massive compassion for you. Hmm. Um, like from my, from my future self's perspective, call it five or 10 years down the road, my future self understands the repercussions and the impact, the gravity of what I'm doing right now, way more than I do. Right. Like they understand like I have a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old. Like everything I'm doing right now, I may be, I may not be as aware of how important these things are. That's why I might just go into work, go home from work and just scroll through social media and not really be present. Right? It's because I'm not, I'm not aware. This is actually what a lot of the research shows: is that by being connected to your future self, you actually have more value in the present. You, you can actually see the impact. It's like someone who understands investing understands what it means to like take that dollar and invest it rather than just blow it. And so everything from your future self's perspective has more gravity, has more impact. And, and they also are more empathetic, compassionate um, towards you. We may be more self-critical of ourselves. So um, yeah, it's very interesting. The elephant in the room then, I mean, when I first saw the, well, when you first talked about the book and I saw it, I mean, that is, I want to be the kind of person who is connected to, concerned about thinking about my future self. Like you talked about making decisions today that my future self will benefit from. I, I thought about it this morning, even the, you know, from a health and wellness standpoint, it's such an acute place to do that. I mean, I got up this morning, I took my, you know, various little powders in my morning drink, my nutritional supplements, all these things that today I will feel absolutely no difference from for the most part. And probably not tomorrow and probably not the next day, but over time, some of the ones that I'm taking fish oil and some collagen and whatever. And I realized, man, my fingernails are growing like mad. They're a lot stronger and I don't have hangnails and stuff. And I know that, that that's a manifestation that's a lot deeper too. I hope that I'm benefiting my telomeres and the plaque in my arteries and, and whatever, but those are such long-term things that today, I mean, we know like nutritional supplements, the compliance rate is about 6% 90 days in for taking nutritional supplements. It's not much better with pharmaceuticals a lot. And we have such a hard time, as you know, and you speak to it so well in the book, but we're in a culture right now that is so tuned in 
to the immediate gratification, to that shallow appetite that just pulling back enough to go consider your future self is the hardest sell. I mean, you know that. I mean, you wrote, you wrote the book for this, but that right there is, it feels like that's the, the, the initial call out is you've got to, if you want to be proud of that person you're going to be in five years and have evolved to a great degree, you've got to stop and stop that immediate gratification and look to something deeper. Is that fair? It's very fair. It brings up a few fundamental concepts, like earth-shaking concepts when you understand them. Uh, I'll, I'll start with like the basic idea that, and a lot of research shows this, that the quality of your behavior now is dependent on your connection with your own future self. Uh, one easy way of saying it is the bigger the vision, the better your decisions, right? So like that's an easy way of saying it. Um, Aristotle basically said, that intentionality is is what determines intelligence. So you have to you have to be intentional, meaning you know what you're doing. You've you're you're clear on where you're going. And so, all the research shows that you need to get connected to your future self. Daniel Gilbert talks about one of the reasons why the end of history illusion exists is because most people just don't even take the time to think about it. They don't even spend any time imagining their future self. They like how much time. You know, have you actually spent thinking about who your future self is going to be in 10 years from now? For most people, the answer is probably five minutes or not even that, right? And so step one is honestly just giving yourself time to think about it. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up uh, and even like, like take it a level deeper, which is obviously you know who Viktor Frankl is. Yeah. You know, and obviously you know I wrote about him in the book. But yeah. what's very interesting that Frankl found – and that now modern neuroscience and, and positive psychology is basing everything upon. What Frankl found in the concentration camps, the Nazi concentration camps of World War II, because he was a Jewish psychiatrist, was that the moment a person lost hope in their future, and for him, hope was having a clear and specific goal that gave their life purpose and meaning. For him, his goal was to get out of the concentration camp so he could rewrite his book and hopefully be reunited with his wife. He found that if someone didn't have a purpose to strive for and they and they lost hope in that future, that the present became meaningless. And in those conditions, while they were already starving, had lost everything, he could he could predict within days when a person would die. He could see that they they had become their life had become meaningless. They went retrospective. Everything had no meaning it, and, and they just quickly died. And and so Frankl's main motive was to help people find a goal like that was the word he used, was that you need a goal or purpose that gives your life meaning that you can strive and struggle for that allows, you know. And so he would always quote Nietzsche that when the why is strong enough, you'll find the how. Like, or if you have a why to live for, you can bear any how. And so this this really highlights that your view of the future determines um, who you are and how you feel in the present. And if you don't have a sense of purpose, if you don't have specific goals that are driving you without purpose, people perish, you know, as the Bible would say, but this is very true. Um, hope would be the same thing. Like a big, you know, hope, hope is a big, like hope is kind of the, one of the grounding concepts in positive psychology without having hope and hope in psychology is not just like mere wishing. It's, it's actually commitment like hope and commitment are very similar um but you have to have a committed specific goal and because you're committed when the why is strong enough you'll find the how 
um, that, that'd be like a concept called pathways thinking. When you're really hopeful, when you're really committed, you'll find a way to move forward. This is kind of what Franco was trying to help people do, was he knew that the only way they could be resilient to what they were dealing with was to have a purpose for getting out, for surviving. Um, and so without, and so the big, big thing here is, is as people, and this kind of goes back to that holistic view of holistic view of time, but who we are right now is fundamentally based on the future we see for ourselves and the future we believe in. And if we have purpose, if we have a clear goal that really gives us meaning, we can, we can transform a lot. We can overcome a lot without that, you know, without that view of the future, we're pretty, we're pretty weak. There's, you know, so there's almost no way you can build habits or do the thing without having some reason to do so. I mean, Ben, this is the, you just, you just laid out the impetus for my upcoming book called what drives you, but it was a Saturday morning which is often when I kind of take time, think about the family and write uh, and often write to my older kids. And it, there's, there's a longer story to it, but I came to man, the thing that I wanted most for them is just think through what you want. And it was some of my own angst of how I hadn't, I was plenty driven, but a lot of times didn't know where the heck I was going. And I just, just think about where you want to be. I, I saw no more value. And that's what I crafted into my book. But again, as we talked about, so such a similar perspective with what you're writing because yeah, what you said without that, I think it was just the weight, the burden of seeing the culture right now. I draw a very distinct correlation in the rise in diseases of despair, depression, suicide, whatnot. And I feel like our lack, our our growth in not thinking about our future self because we just don't have to. We've just got a dopamine hit <laughs> yep. right here. And man, it scares me. It scares me for, for myself, for, uh, for humanity, for my kids. Really, for, I got to admit, for my kids, for those digital natives. You know, you and I are not quite digital natives. And I see their propensity to just spend time on these things and get that hit. And we talk about it openly. I'm, I'm grateful. But my gosh, I, yeah, think about that future self. But that's what it feels like. We've got to delay that instant gratification and take a moment. Like you said, who's ever thought about their, who they're going to be, where they're going to be, how they're going to be in 10 years for, for I mean, just 15 minutes, 15. And if you take there's Pascal, you know, man's man's demise is because we can't spend 15 minutes alone in a room. And man, we're, we're, it feels like we're at greater risk now, which is why you're here talking about this book. Cause I don't know if we've ever needed it more. Yeah. You won't invest in a future that you don't believe in, right? And so, like, this is what happens with the stock market. Once there's pessimism towards the future, people pull mm -hmm. their investments mm -hmm. out, right? Um, and so, like, this is why it's very important to have hope and commitment toward a specific future. This is what um, Peter Thiel would talk about as a definite optimism, um, which is where you have a definite view of the future. It's something that you choose and you create, and then you have an optimism, which is you know, it's a positive view, but it's also a specific view that you're committed to. And without that, you know, you, you really, you, the, the present, the present wins. So like, there's another great classic Ted talk on this subject. I think it's 
Daniel Goldstein. He's a psychologist. Um, this was, I think, a 2010 TED Talk called The Battle Between Your Present and Your Future Self. And it has pretty much everything to do with dopamine, what we're talking about, that if you're not connected to your future self and if, you don't, if you're not investing in your future self um, and you're not clear on that future self and you don't get purpose from moving towards that future self and, stri- and, and moving in that direction – because dopamine can work really in one of two ways. It can either drive you towards achievement or it can just be, you know, the short-term hit that you just give yourself for doing nothing, which then just leads to needing higher and higher dosages of, you know, essentially distraction or avoidance behaviors. And so if you're not connected to your future self and not, you know, striving towards that purposefully and and enjoyably, then the present self is just going to win. So like even, um, even Hal Hirschfeld, Hal Hirschfeld, actually, if I can, I just, can I just read a quote from him in the book? Absolutely. Yeah, he's one of the uh, top psychologists on this subject. I really value his work. And so this is a quote from him. So Hal Hirschfeld, I believe he's at UCLA. He's been studying the future self concept for an enormous, like probably 15 years. He's done a lot of the research on this, but he said, this is very interesting, by the way. Um, and I, just to give a little bit of context, he and other psychologists believe that human beings have not evolved to effectively plan more than call it 10, 20, like they look at it from an evolutionary perspective where, um, you know, hunter gatherers, et cetera, they weren't planning for 25 years in advance. Right. Right. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't thinking that far ahead. They were thinking about like their next meal yeah. or they were thinking about like trying to avoid being like attacked by a bear. Daily or survival. Like yeah, totally. Yeah. So it was very, it was a survival mindset. And so like, that's so, so if you think about it from the brain perspective, like thinking 30, 40 years ahead is, is a pretty new idea. Um, also you com you combine that with life expectancy. So 150 yeah. years ago, the life expectancy in America was 40. We now live twice that long. So we have, much more time to plan for and and we just aren't that equipped. So I just wanted to give that in yeah. a little bit of so here's Hirschfeld's quote. He said, The idea of long term planning is a relatively new concept from a human evolution standpoint. We weren't evolved to live this long and have to make plans for the very distant future. Storing food for the next month or two, sure. But to think about stocking away for a retirement nest egg in case I'm retired for thirty years? This is a relatively this is relatively foreign. You couple that that novel aspect of planning with the idea that we're very swayed by everything that is happening in the present. It's very easy to ignore the long long run and really hard to ignore all the pulls on our attention right now. Spending more money right now and eating something delicious right now, it's appealing to do those things because we get the rewards right now. But to not do those things, to not spend, to not eat unhealthily, so that our long-run selves can be better off. Well, that's a hard proposition for a lot of people because the present is so powerful. So that's that's kind of his uh, yeah. his perspective on that. What I kind of come to for myself, it's kind of funny because I've a lot of people who are financial advisors <laughs> obviously really love this book because <laughs> yeah. it, you know they're trying to help people like strategize and plan for retirement. Um, and I've talked to different people on this subject. One of them asked me an interesting question. He said. He said, I want to understand a proper balance between investing in your future self versus enjoying the present. And this is a question uh, I regularly get. It's like, well, if you're always just living for the future, are you actually missing being present? Like, what about your present self? Like, doesn't the present matter as well? Um, 
it certainly does. And I think you could actually do really well. You could find a great balance and everyone can choose for themselves how you can obviously invest in both. You can you can invest in your future self, which which gives your life a lot of meaning, momentum. And it, it actually, every time you invest in your future self, your view of your future gets bigger. And as your view of your future gets bigger, your present behavior actually gets better. It's the whole idea, the bigger the, the, bigger the vision, the better your decisions. Yeah, Dan Sullivan said it like this. The only way to make your present better is by making your future bigger. Because however you're being right now is based on the future you see for yourself. The goal shapes the process. So investing in your future self, immediately does make your present better actually it allows you to live more intentionally more thoughtfully it doesn't stop you from being present like you and i are being very present even though we both have goals for this conversation there's a reason we're both here there's nothing wrong with that but i also do love the idea of investing in your present like i've got six kids i'm like i i'm not afraid of investing in present experiences we were in europe for six weeks this summer as an example like we did lots of cool camps like um, we, we go to restaurants, we have fun. So it's fine to invest in your present, but it, but you're also in a lot of ways doing that so that you have great connections, memories and stuff like that for the future. So it's all connected. Well, and I get the concept because yeah, as you know, man, we're in a timeline right now of that concept of being the present is, I don't want to call it a fad. I mean, it's great. It's great uh, content. It's something I need to do. I am very prone to not being in the present because I'm thinking about something I'm working on, something that's happening later, something I want to happen tomorrow. But it's a very, it's a very close future. And in that, I find I am in the practice right now of Kevin. Be right here, right now. That, that, so that's something that I am practicing. But what you're calling us to this wiser future self to me is a bigger, we're talking about that leading thing that I'm looking at down the road, a month, six months, uh, you know, 12 years, as you said, that's a different thing to be thinking about that future. That's, what's going to lead the decisions that I make today. And yet, so be present now, have gratitude. I, I felt that message coming from you in the book too. be here now, be grateful in the moment and the glories that exist right now. And they will increase as we solidify, as you said, connect to that future self out there that we want to become. That, that to me feels very different than, yeah, being distracted as I'm prone to be by just the future things and that I'm thinking of uh, in the, the real immediate future, 24, 48 hours, or even the fun thing this weekend or not. And because you do say, I mean, we are pulled, that was your initial premise of the book, that instead of being driven by the past, we're really pulled by the future. But then I would say the problem is we're not pulled by a big enough or far enough future. Is that fair? We're pulled by the next dopamine hit, yeah. which is like 10 minutes away or yeah. five minutes away, or maybe the urgent things that we have to get done. Like we have to go to work. We have to pay the bills. We have yeah. to go to the grocery store. We got to fill up the gas. So our future is is the hamster wheel that's like one step ahead. And, and it just keeps you kind of going in a loop where the future that most people are driven by and committed to is just getting to the next morning, getting to the weekend. Like it's, it's still, the future is still driving them. It's just the immediate future versus, um, you know, actually, actually steering your life towards something, something amazing, something powerful, which, you know, it, it's no harder to steer toward a massive future 
than an urgent future. Hmm. The problem with an urgent future is it's just repetitious. It's not actually transforming. It's not actually ultimately leading somewhere meaningful where it's like in a year you could do a lot if you were steering toward a, a massive specific goal and you were investing in that and spending time and energy on it. Or you could just keep going towards the urgent week by week, day by day battles that are essentially just a repeat. Um, I, I, yeah. I want to hit though, Ben, on what you just said on the on the you know the, the big massive goal out here. I have been, I'm going to say, guilty of judging people's goals. Okay, that thing that they put out here that they're striving to. I have been guilty of. Of, again, of just judging the validity of that, the value of that. And I've shifted my perspective a bit because I now value having any goal. And if you have something that excites you and gets you out of bed in the morning, and I don't understand it, I don't understand the value intrinsically of that, I now see the great value in this. You just have something to hope for. Kind of back to Frankel. If you have something to hope for, because without that, you're toast. So if that, if whatever it is that gets you excited in the morning makes you an excited, inspired person, man, that's great for me. It's great for your family. It's great for your friends. Even if I don't understand what that thing is, and I don't even deem it as being that massive or valuable, but man, if you do kudos to you now, I mean, obviously, you know, within morals and ethics, it's not just the Sheryl Crow. If it makes you happy, you know, it must be great. But to some degree, I am putting value on that feeling of inspiration towards something without having to, I guess I want people to hear, you don't have to justify that it is the most life-saving humanitarian altruistic thing on planet earth that you're going after. Here's how I look at it is, um, we all, we all have standards for ourselves that we either hold ourselves to or strive toward. And, um, like I have standards for myself. Um, and they're gonna be different from the standards you hold for yourself. And so as an example, like I was recently back home visiting and I have a cousin that lives at my dad's house and he is a huge player of world of Warcraft. And I, you know, as you know, from former conversations, I played that game like 15 years ago. All day long. Yeah. Yeah. I played it like 15 years ago. If you're talking to my former self, like, boom. Uh, although I was mostly just avoiding reality, but I, I, but if you talked to me, my purpose was to, to transform my character in the game. Like that was the future driving my present. It was just, you know, it was, you know, and so anyways, I was talking to him and he was talking about how he had re he's like one of the, like the top players, you know, in the game. And he was telling me how he recently left his guild and he plays like probably 12 hours a day. Still, um, guild is the group of people that you are, playing in the game with there's hundreds of guilds on a given like server there's tens of thousands of players and these are groups of people that play together and he was telling me that he had left his recent guild which is one of the top ones like where you know i'm like why'd you leave he said he's like i just honestly they're they're just not up to my standard he's like i want to do bigger things you know like he's and i just thought that was interesting that he used that word because he's got very very high standards when it comes to how he plays World of Warcraft. Now, I don't have any standards for World of Warcraft. And I think one way you can look at it is wherever you have low standards for yourself, it's obvious that that's just not a priority for you. So, like, let's just say you have really low standards in, um, you know, how you dress. Like, it's just not, you don't have high standards in how you dress. You don't need, like, fancy watches and stuff. If you have low standards in any area, what that means is it's not a priority to you. Yeah. But we all do have various areas that are priorities to us. They're the things that we do value. And those areas 
we increase our we we continuously increase our standards in those areas. So like as an example, my financial advisor he he wants to have like 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 he told me the story once of like, you know, when he was a young financial advisor, this was, you know, and he's tall. He's like 6'5" and he was doing a red eye from LA to New York. And he was, you know, riding coach and he's super tall. So his feet are up against the seat and the person's got their seat back And it. You know, he's trying to sleep because he's got big meetings the next day. The person next to him has got the light blaring. They got their, you know, and it was just one of those moments where he just said, I'm never going to do this again. And for him, this was important for me. I don't know if it would be, but he said, like, I am never, he's like, I'm only going to fly first class from now on, no matter what it takes. And he's never flown in the back of the plane ever since he changed his, I guess you could call it standard for his travel. And that was like 10, 10 years ago. Fast forward today, he, he, he flies private a lot. And his standard that he's setting for himself is that he wants a private jet and he wants a yacht. He's got very high standards for finances. Like, this is just who he is. And kind of to your point, I may not have those standards for my finances, but that doesn't mean that his standards are wrong. Just like my friend's standards for World of Warcraft. Um, I do think that the more educated you become, the more you educate your standards, just like you can educate your own desires, goals, and ambitions and commitments. Um, And so I think it's a really important question for all of us to ask, what are the standards that I hold so high that they really are my true priorities in life? Uh, And, and uh, if there is something in your life that you want to be a priority, but you actually have low standards in it, then it means that it's not. And so you'd have to start elevating your standards in that area. Um, And so that's kind of my thought process on it. It brings me to that, a perspective I really like that I mentioned before is thinking of myself as I am the kind of guy who, blank. I'm the kind of person who blank and you speak to it in my perspective in the book of knowing that, like you said, knowing the priority, knowing that again, that future self helps one orient my decisions to accommodate for that, to achieve that one. It also makes it very clear or a lot more clear of the things I need to let go and say, no to that one's so strong for me. I am the kind of guy who does X, so I'm not going to X. I'm the kind of guy who races mountain bikes at the elite level. I still do. I'm doing a race this weekend. So I'm not real distracted by somebody's, well, I'm not ever distracted. I was going to say like a beer binge or something like that. I don't even like beer, but you know, there's certain things that I'm, they have no, I have no economy for because they don't fit into that person. I want to be. Now, what gets me though, Ben, is I have some areas that I would be very proud of, brag about, of who I am, who who I'm becoming in those areas. And yet seeing myself on a spectrum, man, I don't kill it across the board. I mean, our, our part two show is going through the you know, key areas of fulfillment in life. And we're going to be talking about your values and and habits. And, you know, I'm sure you have thought through a lot of those, but I don't expect that you're going to say, man, I've nailed it. I've totally arrived in every one of those. Generally, man, I'm really strong here. And here I'm not real strong. Me, I'm really strong with, yeah, health and wellness, man. That's a big ticket one for me. Over here in finances, eh, I'm not so great over there. I don't enjoy that. So again, seeing where I'm strong, where I have, like you said, I may have a priority, but am I really doing what I need to? Some places, yes. Some places, not so much. And then, of course, it showcases what kind of guy I really am.
so you you bring up a really great point in that set. Well, number one, this is one of the great reasons why your current self is very temporary, and it's okay that you don't have it all figured out. And even your future self, by the way, uh, it's easy to feel like your current, you know, who you are and where you're at in probably most dimensions of your life are far beyond where your former self thought you'd be or far beyond where your former self was. So you've advanced dramatically, um, but you may not be feeling that um, because you're, you're, you're recognizing all the areas you think you could be doing better. Um, Dan and I, Dan Sullivan and I wrote the book on that called the gap and the gain, which yeah. is just, you're not appreciating your progress, but you're feeling the distance between where you are yeah. and where you want to be. But so I like realizing my current self is temporary and even my future self who would be living my dreams. I'll still feel the same way right that you're t- describing my future self is going to see all the areas where he could be doing better even though he from my current self's perspective he's going to be living my dreams right i can say that because i'm far beyond the dreams of my former self and i feel the same way you're describing which is yeah some of my some areas in my life are going well and some of it's a dumpster fire but i think that the the present self is always in that state of flux in that state of learning developing solving new sh- problems and so you're always you're never going to be arrived. You're never going to be like at this place where thing, everything's, uh, you know, solved. Um, but I think what, where you went in terms of like, I'm the kind of guy that the reason that's really interesting is because standards, like your standard as a person is in actuality, your identity, um, your identity as a person is the standards with which you hold yourself. Yeah. Like, um, and, Another word for standard is commitment. Like if, if something is uh, a true standard, it, it means you're actually committed to it. Um, and if you kept going below it, it wouldn't actually be a standard, right? And so the psychological definition of identity is that which you're most committed to. And we've already spent a lot of time talking today about how we're driven by the future we're most committed to. And so you can just observe your own life and see your own standards in action and you can see what you're most committed to. And, and mm-hmm. so clarifying your standards and, and actually making them standards, meaning you make them a commitment, meaning you start saying no to things that are below the standard takes a lot of commitment and courage, but that's ultimately how you reorient your identity. Um, one of my favorite quotes that I share pretty, I think I even share it three times in the book, you know, and I know that that's not kosher, but I, I'm more look at myself as a teacher versus an author. Like I, I, I love sharing like the same concept from different angles, but one of my favorite quotes is uh, from Robert Brault. He said, we're kept from our goal, not by obstacles, but by a clear path to lesser goals. So we all may have desires, you know, we have a goal, and we're kept from that goal, not by the obstacles between us and the goal, but by clear paths to lesser goals. We have lesser goals that we ultimately end up committing ourselves to, and that those lesser goals end up being our standard because we're still saying yes to them. Anything you say yes to is essentially your, your, your standard. <laughs> um, and so it's only by making your goal into your standard, meaning you make it a commitment and then you start eliminating the lesser goals. That's essentially what a decision is, is you start cutting off the alternative options and you make it a standard and you say no this is this is who i am um and it you know there, it's a trial and error process it's, it sometimes takes failing as your future self for a while and figuring out how to actually turn it into a system or a sta- or a standard but 
that's really how you end up becoming your future self is you have to make it your identity, which means you make it a full commitment, which means, um, and I've seen this recently where I've gotten more and more committed to my future self. And once you start being your future self and living through that lens, it becomes a lot easier to just let go of the things that no longer fit with your new identity. They just, they, they just don't fit with who you are anymore. And it, it's a pretty organic process. Okay. That word, you just said new identity and you use the word and just your, what you just said in the past few minutes, you use the word identity probably four times. So I was thinking, so I'm, I'm reading your book. I'm like, like you, I've got, I got kids in the house. I got five right now. Uh, they're still in the house and they are my, my 12 year old, uh, was with me last night and just fell asleep on my, on my lap. And I'm thinking about him. So he's 12. He's in, he's in eighth grade. He's a little ahead, but he expects to get taller and he will. I mean, he's just, he's going to get taller. He expects to be, he's in eighth grade and that's kind of an achievement, you know, and now he's going to go into high school and he'll, he expects to be in 12th grade and he'll graduate uh, from high school. He will likely do college. Not all my kids are, but he, he likely will. And so he's going to look at that and go, yeah, I probably will do those. And then I'll get a job and I'll probably, I mean, those are kind of identities that are, we seemingly kind of easily accept those. But now let's go there. And this is what you got me thinking of as I'm reading the book and you're talking about identity, that now they become that adult. They graduate from whatever, they get a job, they get out on their own. And that's where we see it fall off. Culturally, we see it kind of fall off. There's no more specific identity then that we you're on your own. It's kind of either you do, you don't. A lot of times the future just kind of happens as you get hired, you get fired, you, maybe you get promoted, maybe you're thinking a little further ahead or not. But a lot of times we just kind of go from that point on and we don't have those set points that we so easily accept as kids. And I find that back to where we started on that it's such a difficult, obviously you can get better at it and you can get more comfortable as you're talking about personally. But for most people, it's very hard to really look at a different identity. Can I really see myself being different? Here I am today. I feel like I've arrived back to that. Uh, what was the the end of uh, end of history illusion? But really, Ben, I, I can be where I am now. And in five years, can I really get my head to wrap around that I could be making ten times the money I am now, two times the money I am now? That my audience could be 10 times bigger, that I could have a third book out by now, that I could have a yacht, whatever it is. And that's, that, seems, that seems like, again, the, the, the thing that we have such a dramatically difficult time doing, yet my 12-year-old can easily do it because there's no set points. Yeah, I think that you can get better at it. I think there's a skill. I mean, it's a, uh, that's basically what having vision and a growth mindset is, is, is that you, you actually believe more in your future self than you believe in your current conditions. You know, like, um, that's, that's something to be developed in all of us. Like I believe more in my future self than I do in my current self. Like I, I believe, I don't think I'm going to be stuck here forever. Like, and I'm not, I'm not mad at my current life, but I, I believe that, I will get to where I want to go. Uh, and I think that that's, that's, that's what a definite optim is. That's what a hope is. That's what purpose is that Frankl is talking about. That's what a growth mindset is, is that you're, you're, you don't 
you're, you don't have this fixed mindset where you just think this is who you are. You haven't bought into that history illusion. You actually do have a relationship with your future self, but also you regularly appreciate the progress you've made. I think that looking back and appreciating your own progress, appreciating the, the wins that you have had, appreciating that you have overcome things that maybe your former self thought were impossible. Um, you've done these things before. And that's really what confidence is. Confidence is uh, the recognition of prior progress, you know, and that gives you that that gives you more imagination. The more you know, the more confidence you build by getting small wins, big wins, whatever, and and appreciating those, not forgetting them, not downplaying them, but appreciating them. Those yeah. actually boost your imagination for what could be possible, and they allow you to then make bigger commitments. I, I, one one of the things that I I've heard and I like this is. You know, confidence, which is basically your trust in yourself, right? Um, I, I spent a lot of time studying a concept called transformational leadership theory. And um, if you like, I mean, it's a big part of the 10x book I'm writing about now, but you won't commit to like a leader if you don't trust them, right? But if you trust someone, you will commit largely. Like if you think about, you know, in a spiritual sense, if you don't trust in God or if you don't trust God, you probably won't commit and do what you know, what you think God wants you to do. Same could be true of a parent, right? If a parent, if a child doesn't trust a parent, they're not going to want to like listen to the parent, right? And so confidence is essentially the trust you have in yourself. It's the relationship you have with yourself. Um, And so the only way to build trust is to make and keep commitments to yourself. You make small commitments, follow through, you now trust yourself a little bit more. And you, you know, you, you build that muscle. So making commitments, meaning you commit to doing something and then actually making it a commitment so you do it is how you build that confidence and you can look back and you can see i've done things before that i didn't know if i could do um and you don't have to be perfect i mean you can make a lot of mistakes i you know deliberate practice is the idea of making mistakes every freaking day like there's a whole section in this book about failing as your future self is how you get there so again your current self doesn't need to have all the answers but as you're striving towards that even just striving toward it is demonstrating the commitment, letting go of those lesser goals, letting go of those things that are no longer at the standard of your future self. That's you being your future self. That's you letting go of stuff that no longer exists. Every time you let go of something that no longer resonates with the new standard, the new standard kind of being the new filter. We all see the world through our own lens. Your lens is the filter of the world and your lens is your identity. You know, there's that back to the quote I shared near the beginning. We don't see the world as it is, but as we are. So we see the world through our identity and so once you start seeing your future self making small commitments in that direction, you start being less attracted to the things you did because you do now have a new filter on those things and you see that they, they're they taking you away from what you want. And so as you let go of them, your commitment increases even further and thus your confidence does. Your statement, Ben, on confidence, it occurred to me, you know, however long ago, the value again in my own life of doing things every day that just makes me proud of myself, uh, that I look at that and, you know, just little, th- I mean, little or big things of, you know, I had a meal of all vegetables. I kind of got a good, you know, healthy vegetable quotient in, or I went and did a, a good exercise, or I had that difficult talk, you know, with a family member or a friend, or I took care of my finances or whatever, that that goes so long in giving me confidence, doing the things that I'm proud about. And 
as opposed to what you speak to in the book, why do we, and I just write out of the book, why do we make decisions our future selves will regret? And he used that Jerry Seinfeld uh, little, little bit that he did on Letterman's show. And it is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. It made me laugh, but it's also just so smart because we deal with it daily. And tonight, right now, I would really like to eat that whole rack of Oreo cookies. I know it'll wreck my sleep. I've got some, I got a show I got to do with Ben in the morning. I'm going to be fuzzy because I didn't sleep well. And the compounding effect uh, holds me again to being true to that future self that I have. But those little confidence builders seem to help me so much. It feels like we tend to get, we let ourselves go down into a, a valley and then try to pull ourselves back up and I find it man, it's so difficult if I'm not making the daily deposits, doing those things that, again, in my vernacular, make me proud of myself. But as you said, that's what, for me, I see builds confidence. And I really see that even with my kids uh, as well, that that's at the root of it. Are we daily doing those things, those deposits? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I look at those deposits in it as investments. You yeah. know, you're making small investments to your future self. And as you make those daily investments, you know, not only does your future self get wealthier, um, and obviously you do over time as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's why, that's why actually I, I, I believe that having a sense of purpose towards your future is the most effective way to live in the present. Yeah, Yeah. You can, you can let go of that for a while and just bliss out, but by having a sense of purpose, you can actually steer your present. You can actually make those daily investments in whatever form. It could be in the form of reading a book, eating those vegetables, um, actually putting money towards your future self yeah. and actually starting to kick the compound effect going. Um, but if you don't do that, if you're not, if you're, if you're not making those daily investments, then what you're doing is you're borrowing from your future self every day, you know, whether it's, the unhealthy food. You'd eat the rack of Oreos. You're borrowing from your future self. And so you're putting your future self in deeper and deeper debt. Uh, and at some point the piper is going to get paid. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you're either costing your future self or you're investing in them. Either way, your future self is going to get paid. Either you're taking the money now and going to figure out how to pay it on the back end, or you're giving the money now and you get all these rewards. I like your Pied Piper reference. Cause it's number three. And the list of your truths in the book. See, that's what I was going to talk about next. And I want folks to hear that. So here we are. We're talking about this, this concept here and even from a, a theory standpoint. But I appreciate the book. And this is a shameless plug for it because you can work through it. I mean, Ben has in there seven threats to your future self, seven truths and seven steps. And you actually can work through it. You and I were talking about the unicorn success that James Clear's Atomic Habits is. And I think one of the reasons is he does give you just kind of some actionable steps to walk this out. And you do that here. So this is not just a concept of being your future self, but you're saying, here are the threats. I mean, number one threat you have is not just not having hope um, as a number one threat uh, and reacting to the narrative about your past. And we could take two hours to go through them all. And that's why folks go buy the book. But these were the tangible I really look at the. I, I like the threats, the truths, and the steps. I, I, but I really was enamored with the threats. Number one, these are the things that are going to derail. Me. So I hear this message. So I, as everybody's listening right now, they're going to listen to the show. And we have you know tens of thousands of people to listen to this episode, and they're going to go, "Yeah, man, this is awesome. I want to be my future self now." If you don't have these threats out, I would say these are they're, they're worth going into. The, buy the book, take a screenshot, print it out, and put it on your rearview mirror. These are the threats today 
that are likely to derail me from staying true to this future self. Because you got good intent. Maybe even have a vision. will derail their future self. Yeah, and you'll forget it. It, it, Totally. And then you forget and then get into the day and think, man, I didn't even think about my future self. It's kind of like a, you appreciate this from a faith-based standpoint. You get up in the morning and, man, I'm all about God. I'm going to devote myself. And by nighttime, you realize I had not one thought for anything other than what was urgent in front of my face. That's what will happen to our future self. A hundred percent. Yeah, I I heard uh, one of my professors once said that, you know, a lot of Christians believe in Christ, but if you look at their daily life, they're practical atheists. He used that term practical That's atheists because in harsh. practical terms, yeah. in practical terms, there's not, there's not a lot of God throughout the day, right? Uh, they're living as though it doesn't really matter, even though like they believe in God, but practically speaking. So I think that's true. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously your view of your future self extends beyond this life, right? A lot of people listening to this show have beliefs in God in all forms. And so your view of your future self beyond this life is also driving your actions behavior now, right? It dry, you know, and so it's just a true principle that whatever view you most hold for your future is the driver of who you're being now. And so it, it's a real invitation to get clear on that future, get committed on the one you want, and then... You know, I, I really like the quote these days from Naval Ravikant, where he said that 10,000 hours is not how you become an outlier. It's actually 10,000 iterations. Um, and it, it, there's tweaks, right? There's tweaks along the way. Like, um, you know, again, if you talked to me a week ago, I would have a slightly different view, not only of my future, but also of like what really matters. Like I'm constantly learning, right? And so I'm iterating and I'm sharpening it. I'm getting cleaner. I'm getting better. Um, there's another kind of similar quote on that idea that, you know, intelligence is the ability to make finer distinctions, like to, to recognize nuance where maybe you didn't even see it before. And so, um, you know, we're always learning. In a week from now, you're going to have a better view, a more crystallized view. And in a year, five years, especially if you're learning, and especially if you're learning from your experiences and actually getting the depth out of those experiences, because the main purpose of experiences is to actually clarify what you believe in, what you stand for, what you care about. And to, like, once once you transform an experience into cleaner standards uh, for yourself, you don't have to keep repeating the past. You can actually have learned from it. That whole idea of lessons are repeated till they're learned. So uh, it's that 10,000 iterations kind of idea. And that that's, again, why you're not going to be the same person in five years, because hopefully there'd been a lot of iterations in how you think about things, how you see things, what you value, what you care about going for, what you see, what you're committed to. I do want to key in on a perspective you just gave of that we are learning, we are growing. Anybody listening to this show, I feel comfortable making that statement to, they would not be listening to the show if they were not somebody who was a growth minded person. I call them an aspiring person. If not, you're over listening to some crime drama entertainment thing and not listening to a show like that. However, I also realize the, that is a smaller percentage of our culture and that in pursuing and being aware of our future self. And as you said, committing to that, you are well, we could say that you're, you're somewhat of a unicorn in our culture. This is not the culture that we're going to see when you go onto social media and CNN and Fox and whatever. You're going to see a reactionary culture that is not devoted and committed to a future self. So uh, to me, it feels like I, I want people to understand not to make it hard, but to say this is this is outside of the norm. This is you living a different way than the culture that we see out there at large. This is not a, and you need to find some kindred spirits to do that. Otherwise you will be feeling 
alone in your pursuit. And I see that as one of the things that seems to derail or just diminish people so much when they feel so alone in this. I say, get, get Ben's book and make somebody else go through it with you and commit to those. I mean, this is something that you could meet daily or weekly on to say, okay, how'd you do? I've got a guy's group that I meet with every Friday. Uh, so tomorrow we'll talk about your book, Ben. You can know all, all your ears will be burning. So, so I had this guy on the show. They actually know your name because I talk about you that much. Um, but to talk about that, who are, are we clear to sit back and go, all, you know, we think a lot of ourselves, but have we spent 15 minutes an hour thinking about who is that future self we want to become? That is, it is not, it is just not the norm. So this is stepping outside and saying, I want something better. Totally. It reminds me of two quick things. One is, you know, threat number three is that um, being, I think, I think I wrote being unaware, unaware. In, yeah. being unaware of your environment leads to random evolution. What I'm saying is random evolution being you don't know who your future self is going to become because you're just being the byproduct, the reaction of those around you, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, if you want to become a specific future self, like you want to commit to something specific, it's it's going to require having friends, mentors, peers that can support you in going that direction um, that also want you to achieve that standard versus yeah. would rather you not have that standard. And so I'm always blown away and grateful for the people in my life now. And I'm humbled by a lot of the people in my life now because they're people who genuinely want what's best for my long-term future. And when I have even a guy I talked to yesterday, one of my dearest friends, he gave me such sound advice and he helped point out where I was being super short-sighted and hmm. he helped me think more long-term and helped me commit more, even though I was wavering, right? Like I was wavering due to either fear or confusion or, uh, and so it's really crucial to have friends that, actually care about your long-term future self. Uh, that's actually how I define a good friend is that, that there's someone who makes your future self better. Whereas mm. a bad friend is someone who's really, who doesn't care about your future self and would rather just have you, you know, throw away your future for the present. Yeah. So uh, the other thing I just want to say that is just kind of fun. And I actually share it in the conclusion of this book, but last week was my 10 year wedding anniversary last week. And when we, when, when Lauren, we, so we got married on September 1st, 2012. So fast forward a year on September, for, it was actually September 2nd, um, but September 2nd, 2013. So on our one year wedding anniversary, we made a nine year time capsule. Mm -hmm. We made a time capsule for our future selves and we want, we wrote a time capsule for where we would be on our 10 year wedding anniversary. And basically what we did, I actually forgot some of the details, but we it's been sitting in a mason jar on our like on our bookshelf for nine years, and we literally opened it last week. And and what it was was it was in a mason jar. Um, it had a flash drive on it with a five minute video that Lauren's mom filmed because we were living in her parents' basement. Filmed a video of us talking just about here's our life, here's the couch, you know, blah blah blah. Here's we we're kind of talking in jest to our future selves, like you know but also to our unborn kids. Cause we had no kids at the time. We were like, you know, if we have, but um, we wrote different forms of vision for our future selves. It was really interesting because I actually had forgotten the details because it had been nine years. But so each of us had our own individual document where we wrote our own vision of where we thought we would be 
nine years into the future, you know, at our 10 year wedding anniversary, you know, in key areas, you know, I'd write like where I, where I wanted to be in like the gospel or in my faith in God, um, you know, where I thought I'd be in my career, where we thought we'd, you know, what kind of kids we'd have, where we thought we would live. So that we did an individual version. We also, so we had like two, two papers, like Lauren's individual, my individual vision. Then we had one where we actually like had a shared vision and we had like key things together that we thought would happen and where we would, where we'd plan to be. One other funny thing that I noticed we did that I forgot about was I actually had written a letter to Lauren's future self um, and just like talked about, you know, my commitments to her and also just like how I felt about her and what, you know, and she wrote a letter to my future self. Um, So I thought that was kind of funny. Back then when we did that, um, you know, we had zero kids. I, I had just been rejected by all the grad schools I applied to certainly had never written any books, wasn't even blogging or anything like that. Um, now we have six kids and we have kids that are like 15, 13, 11, you know, we have six kids. Like there's so many crazy things that can happen. Uh, obviously a lot of the things, you know, that we thought were important back then weren't right. Like, uh, my wife thought we'd have like this big garden and that that would be a big part of our life. Like that was maybe interesting to us back then, but it ended up not being that big of a priority now and wasn't that important. But like a lot of it, you know, we slam dunked, you know, and we went way beyond our vision. And uh, it's just interesting. And, you know, I'm going to do it. I actually, yes, two days ago, I wrote a letter from my future self 10 years into the future because uh, I'm getting really excited about, you know, my future self. And so I wrote a letter, just a two page document, like literally in my journal. It took five minutes. I just wrote bullets from my future self as my future self talking to me, who would be 10 years into the past of that human, of that person. I just wrote, you know, here is where I'm at. Here's what I'm focused on. Here's what I'm doing. And I just laid it all out. And I'm, I'm not saying that that's exactly what's going to happen, but that drives me, that directs me. It gives me purpose. It gives me, uh, it gives me something to, to actually direct myself toward. And, and, uh, the more nuanced you get, the more clear you get those iterations um, a 1% tweak, right. In, in your vision for where you're going to be in like 10 years is an exponential change, right? Like, um, and so just by making a small tweak or a small clarification over a long enough period of time, that changes everything. So it's, it's important to do this regularly. It doesn't have to take hours. It's, it's like, uh, you can gamify it by making like a time capsule. Um, or you can just spend five minutes thinking about your future self in different time, time zones, whether that's 10 years, whether that's four months, you know, if you're thinking about where we're going to be, you know, in 2023. And I appreciate that, Ben. We do as a family uh, yearly, every year after New Year's, we'll do kind of goals for the next year. And we've gotten a lot more, as time has gone on, a lot more comfortable, I guess, putting them down. Because as you would say, man, this is the best that I know today. So as as much as I know today. It's always a draft. It's a rough draft. It's a rough So here's the goals that I have. And then when you see the next year, maybe the next year, this is what I saw. And I saw a couple of the goals that I kept putting on there that I kept not doing. And I realized, well, apparently they're not that important to me. I'm just going to let those things go or realize that, you know, I just, it's not the time to commit to this. Doing a book was there for a while. And I realized I just, I just wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, I finally was. I did want people to hear as you're talking about uh, future self, especially those that have uh, kids who would like to talk about this message. It, you have a great intro. So the uh, intro that Ben does to the book, he uses the story of the, the YouTube guy. Is it YouTube, right? Mr. Beast, who I'll have to admit, I'm ashamed. Of, I didn't even know. So yesterday, uh, yesterday, the day before, I'm 
I was working in my home office and had this and my son, one of my sons came in, he's 16. And so Ben, I said, dude, do you know, uh, uh, I actually asked the guy his name, Jonathan, something like that. He says, no. I said, Mr. Beast. Oh yeah, I know Mr. Beast. That's the intro to this book. Will you check it out? Just read it. It's kind of a neat concept. He sat there and read it and was you know talking about it afterwards. So it's a great entry point for your kids to talk about this because you use somebody they're probably going to know. And if they don't happen to, it's still this gigantic YouTube star. They right will know. I'm oh, will telling they? you, they okay. will know. <laughs> Mr. Beast. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking to a teenager in the US, they know who Mr. Beast is. Um, so, so there you get the book and let them read it or buy the audio and listen to it and the commute to school because the kids think it's pretty cool yeah yeah i've been surprised my i've got i've had a lot of friends give this book to their teenage kids and some of my friends are like they read it in a day like and these are like you know most most teenagers are not reading self-development books it's a fairly short book actually um on purpose but uh yeah mr beast is very inspiring to me yeah well hey the whole book is man thank you for being here again for the third time uh, Ben, I'm grateful. And it's just a message that is, yeah, I, I want my kids reading it and we'll keep talking about it on the show. And, uh, most of all, I'm grateful because you inspire me to commit further and connect further with my future self, man. Thank you for doing the work. Huge pleasure. Happy to be with you. In the days following this discussion with Ben, I've just found myself ruminating on my future self. I intend to just make this a daily practice, even putting a sticky note that says future self on the bathroom mirror or rear view mirror of your car can help keep you thinking about that person. What do you hope they're doing, not doing, where and how are they living and working and being? And our work is to start connecting again to that person. Ben's new book, again, Be Your Future Self Now, can be found everywhere. And you can connect with him at BenjaminHardy.com. Thanks again for choosing to listen to the Self-Helpful Podcast. If you got value, leave a review about this episode. And best thing you can do, talk to someone. Discuss what you heard today. It'll help you both. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others.